Wednesday, October 10th, 2018. You are listening to the Daily Dose Sports Podcast, and I am your host, Clint Daly, coming to you from the Mile High City right here in Denver, Colorado, and we are back for another day of talking sports with a dose of common sense. Hopefully, we can make you smile with our specific brand of looking at sports as well. Happy Wednesday to you. Just want to say this real quick. Happy birthday today, October 10th, to one Brett Favre. Yeah, Brett Favre was actually born October 10th, back in 1969. Now, when I just throw out the name Brett Favre, what do you think of? Like, what's the first thing that crosses your mind? Because, like, I get a number of different images when I think of Brett Favre. I think of absolute gunslinger. No question about that. He was not afraid to push the limits. He was not afraid to maybe force a ball in there. And that's another thing that you do think of when you think of Brett Favre. Forced the ball in there, took some chances, maybe threw too many interceptions. Obviously, that's something we think of. You think of his days in Green Bay, just winning on toughness sometimes, not afraid to scramble around and make a play. Maybe you think of that Monday night game he had against the Raiders after his father passed away and he just could do no wrong. Didn't matter what he did. Everything he threw up just seemed to work. Number of things that you think of when you think of Brett Favre. You know, I can actually remember back in the 90s when they used to have that quarterback competition every year. I don't know if you remember that. They would do the Pro Bowl and then they would kind of have a quarterback skills competition. And Brett got mad when they had the distance competition throwing the football just to see who could throw the ball the farthest. And I think Brett just went over to the footballs and just started hucking them. And he threw like three or four balls, like 80 yards, like no question. Brett Favre was a gunslinger. He could throw the ball. But you know one thing that he probably doesn't get nearly enough credit for, and it's interesting to think about it right now in this era of NFL football. Brett Favre doesn't get nearly enough credit for starting. You know, we talked a little bit yesterday about Houston Texans quarterback Deshaun Watson takes too many hits. Kid has already been hurt a couple times. He might end up hurt again very soon with the way he plays. But think of other quarterbacks. Maybe you think of someone like Andrew Luck. And for the big, strong guy that he is and the abilities that he has, takes way too many hits, has missed a number of games. You think of maybe someone like Michael Vick, just insanely skilled, looked like he was just playing on a different speed level than everyone else. He just was such a physical freak. You think of maybe someone like Robert Griffin III, who came into the league and was setting the league on fire. What do all three of those guys have in common? They couldn't stay healthy. They always struggled to stay healthy. Brett Favre started 297 games at quarterback in a row. And there's no question he took some hits. So what was he doing that was so different than what guys in this era are doing? Because remember, Brett Favre played in an era when you could touch the quarterback. You could hit him all you wanted. You want to stick your helmet in his ear hole? Feel free. You want to land fully on top of him? Knock yourself out. Yet somehow, Brett Favre started almost 300 games in a row. Now you have this era where you can't go low at their knees. You can't land your body weight on them. You can't hit him anywhere near the head. And these guys can't stay healthy for 297 days. Somehow Brett Favre did it for 297. Happy birthday to that old gunslinger, Brett Favre. Hey, if you'd like contact the show, maybe let us know what quarterback you enjoy watching the most. We would love to hear from you. Hit us up on email 
dailydosesports at gmail.com, or you can go find us over on Facebook or Twitter. Both of those handles are at dailydosesports. Maybe you've got some feedback for the show. Maybe you have a certain quarterback you would like us to discuss on the show. Maybe you have a certain list that you would like us to put together. Feel free to reach out. We would love to hear from you. Hey, today on the show, of course, we do have to look at a few news stories that are coming out in the world of sports. And, you know, as we do on most Wednesdays, we are going to have our Daily Dose Hump Day Power Rankings. Hump Day! And you never know what we might be ranking this week. As we are getting a little further into college and pro football, I'm just going to give you a tip. It might have something to do with that. Going to get to that in just a few minutes. Let's jump in right now. And where else could we start but with those major league baseball playoffs last night? And we saw a very good one last night. The Boston Red Sox had to hold on for dear life at the very end of that game last night. But they win their divisional series against their hated rival, the New York Yankees. They beat them 4-3 to in Game 4 last night to close out that series. The Red Sox led all game. But in the bottom of the ninth, they had to face that dragon that is that nasty lineup for the Yankees. After a great start by Rick Porcello, at the end, it was Craig Kimbrell who walks the bases loaded. There's just one out. He gives up two runs, but somehow he battles back. He strikes out Giancarlo Stanton, and then he gets a little bit of help from his defensive teammates. They end the Yankees' season. The Red Sox now move on to face the Houston Astros in that American League Championship Series. It is the first league championship series that is going to be played between two 100-win teams since clear back in 1977. Both of these teams are really, really good. You know, we've got Milwaukee versus Los Angeles over in the National League. A clash of styles, definitely two different franchises there. And then we've got Houston versus Boston in the American League. Hey, both of these series should be highly entertaining to watch. A little bit of sad news actually coming out. The Los Angeles Chargers announced the death of team owner Alex Spanos on Tuesday. He was 95 years old. You know, Spanos purchased 60% of the Chargers clear back in August of 1984 from majority owner Eugene Klein. He paid $70 million at the time. Now you think back to some of the best moments that Alex Spanos had with the Chargers. And a couple of the moments that I think of, obviously, were those early 80s Chargers teams when you had Dan Fouts and you had Charlie Joyner and you had Kellen Winslow and you had Wes Chandler and you had John Jefferson and Chuck Muncie. Those were some pretty good days in Chargers history. That was one of those teams that we kind of look back and say, wow, why didn't they just win a little bit more? If they just could have figured out a way to get past the Cincinnati Bengals, we might have been talking about the San Diego Chargers maybe having a Super Bowl. But then you go to that next era in Chargers history and you think of that Chargers team that actually did go to the Super Bowl back in the 1994 season when you had Stan Humphreys, you had Marion Butts, you had a pretty good defense with Junior Seau. Both of those teams, Alex Spanos was obviously a big part of. You know, he remained active for many years in business matters related to the team, but by now Spanos had turned over the day-to-day management to his eldest son, Dean Spanos, who currently serves as the Chargers controlling owner and team chairman. We are kind of reaching a point right now in the NFL where I do think we are starting to see a few of these owners that we've just been kind of used to them always being there. They're hitting that age. We're going to start losing a few of them. 
Hey kids, not sure if you saw this, but in the NFL, we have an NFL feud. Oh, I know. Now, I know that on Saturday night, maybe you saw a fight between, you know, Connor and Habib, where they actually punched each other really hard in the face. But that's not actually the kind of feud that I'm talking about here. On Monday night, after the Monday night football game between the Washington Redskins and the New Orleans Saints, we got a bit of a scrap going on between Saints wide receiver Michael Thomas and Washington cornerback Josh Norman. Apparently, this feud went from the field to the locker room and from the locker room to Twitter. Yes, now you know it's getting serious. Apparently on Twitter, Thomas ripped the Redskins cornerback in a back-and-forth argument that carried well into the early hours of Tuesday morning. Josh Norman, in a tweet that has since been deleted, responded by accusing Michael Thomas of clout chasing, followed by an emoji of a clown. Norman also stated that Thomas did not have a reception when the two lined up against each other, and he called Michael Thomas a blocking decoy. Then, in a series of subsequent tweets, Thomas called Norman a zone corner and said that I am going to bully you every time I see you. Thomas also poked fun at Norman's cheap suit and said, you 30 years old, dude, life comes at you fast. Then he called out Norman for deleting all of his tweets and called him a goofball con artist. Oh no, you didn't. Hey, this is some serious stuff here, people. Again, I hate to do this because this Twitter war, I mean, it's heating up. They're blasting back and forth at each other. It is serious, but I know it's a different era. I realize that, and I swear, I'm not trying to be old man back in my day, but can you somehow imagine, like, maybe Oakland Raiders safety Jack Tatum tweeting back and forth with Pittsburgh Steelers wide receiver Lynn Swan, gonna pop your helmet off and smash you in the face with my plaster-covered forearms, LOL. (laughs) I don't know if I can see that. Like, I have a hard time picturing that and then maybe Swanee is coming back with Frenchie Fuqua touch the immaculate reception laughing crying face emoji it's just a different world today and I really do struggle to get my head around it Michael Thomas and Josh Norman are having a Twitter spat at the end of the day you're just kind of writing each other notes aren't you I mean are you folding them up and passing them back and forth in class please stop Honestly, please stop. Also, one more NFL story coming out in the world of shocking news. We got word that Washington Redskins running back Adrian Peterson said he suffered a dislocated shoulder in that Monday night loss to the Saints, but he was optimistic he wouldn't miss any time. Redskins coach Jay Gruden, who initially called the injury just a strained shoulder, said Peterson would get an MRI on Tuesday to determine if there's any serious issues. But here's what Peterson had to say. It's not going to keep me out. I came back into the game. It was just a situation where it was sore. I just thank God it wasn't worse. Peterson said he injured the shoulder late in the first half, and he actually only played two snaps in the second half. So, I mean, he said he came back. He sort of came back. He said he got up after running a swing route, and he just felt stiffness in his shoulder. And he said he knew something was seriously wrong. I just popped it back in, braced it up at halftime, and got back in there, Peterson said. Well, I mean, there you go. Peterson says it's not a huge deal. He says he's going to be back. And the good news about a dislocated shoulder for Adrian Peterson 
is it's just a temporary pain. I mean, I'm sure it probably felt all better yesterday morning when he got up. I'm sure it didn't bother him at all. And the other good news about a dislocated shoulder is as a running back, it's not like he's ever going to get hit in the shoulder. I mean, that's the least of his worries. Be maybe more serious if it was like an ankle or a knee or something like that. But shoulder? Running backs never get hit in their shoulder. (laughs) Again, I know we said this at the beginning of the year. Love Adrian Peterson. Dude keeps coming back. He's phenomenal. How many carries do you really think he has in him? And the thing that maybe disturbs me the most about this story is the fact that he basically said, yeah, I just ran a little swing route and my shoulder popped out of the socket. Really? What happens if you actually get hit? Then what pops out of the socket? I'm just saying, we called it the beginning of the year. I wouldn't count on Adrian Peterson finishing the year completely healthy and as productive as he was at the beginning of the year. Probably not going to happen. Hey, coming back, we are going to have an extended version of our Daily Dose Hump Day Power Rankings. Hump Day! Okay, so we know which teams have started off strong so far in football. But there are a few other teams that have started off a little slow, and we just might have a good reason for that. So let's jump into our Daily Dose Hump Day Power Rankings. You know, on Wednesdays, we like to get some real numbers involved. It's not so much an opinion segment. We just put together a list and we see what the stats actually tell us. Today, on our Daily Dose Hump Day Power Rankings, Hump Day! we are going to take a look at which football teams have played the toughest schedules so far to this point. Now, prior to the season, we look at strength of schedule, but what's it based on? It's based on what they did last year. And we know that is not always an accurate gauge. We don't know what one team is going to do from one year to the next. Well, now we are five weeks into the NFL season, so we kind of have an idea of who the stronger teams are, and we can get a better idea of who has actually played the toughest schedule, at least so far. When you see these rankings, I'll tell you right now, it is a little revealing. Let's take a look at the NFL strength of schedule to this point. Coming in at number five, this team started off three and one, and that's only because they've already had their bye week. They probably got a little lucky on Sunday when kicker Graham Gano hit that 63-yard field goal, but the Carolina Panthers have already played the fifth toughest schedule in the NFL so far. This is according to TeamRankings.com. The Panthers opened the season with a win over the Dallas Cowboys, then they lost to division rival Atlanta. Since then, they have beaten the Cincinnati Bengals, And that might end up being a better win than you would think. And they beat the New York Giants. Now, how is Carolina 3-1? How are they getting these wins? Mostly by running the football better than anyone else in the league. Carolina is averaging a league-best 154 yards rushing per game right now. That defense is solid. And just imagine if we knew where Cam Newton's passes were going to go. Hey, Carolina might be a little bit better than people thought. Three and one, and they've played the fifth toughest schedule in the league so far. Coming in at number four, we're going to stay right there in that same division where we have one of the more bizarre teams in the NFL because the Tampa Bay Buccaneers started the season two and oh. They had wins over the Super Bowl champion, Philadelphia Eagles, and they also beat the New Orleans Saints. And they played those games with backup quarterback Ryan Fitzpatrick, 
who just simply played the greatest football of his entire life. In two games, Ryan Fitzpatrick threw for 819 yards and eight touchdowns. Then in week three, they faced the Pittsburgh Steelers. Fitzpatrick started to come back to earth a little bit, and Tampa lost by a field goal. Then in week four, Fitzpatrick just went completely belly up. He got benched for original starter Jameis Winston, and the Buccaneers got trounced by Chicago 48-10. to Now, where does Tampa Bay go from here? I have no idea. Because it kind of looked like against Chicago, this team may have quit. The defense quit. I don't think there's any question about that. So I'm not sure where Tampa is going to go. But they are 2-2, two and two, and they have played the fourth toughest schedule in the league so far. Moving on to number three, this team actually surprised me a little. Because they've already won double the games that they have won in the past two seasons. But the Cleveland Browns have actually played the third toughest schedule in the league so far. After that season opening tie against the Pittsburgh Steelers, the Brownies lost to New Orleans. Then they got their first win in nearly two years as they beat the New York Jets. They lost that heartbreaker to the Oakland Raiders in week four. And on Sunday, somehow, Cleveland goes out and manages to beat the Baltimore Ravens in overtime. Now, the tough part for Cleveland with this remaining schedule is that it's going to stay pretty tough. It's not going to get lighter. It will still be a challenging schedule. And we know that opposing defenses are going to start getting a better scouting report on rookie quarterback Baker Mayfield. But I do think the Browns, they ought to be able to pick up another win or two. No, they're not going to the Super Bowl. Hate to tell everyone that. And no, they probably aren't making the playoffs, but they're better than they were. They have played the third toughest schedule so far. Coming in with the second toughest schedule so far, based on the current records that we have, are the New Orleans Saints, who still have managed to post a 4-1 and one record. Could the Saints maybe be a little bit of a sneaky team over in that NFC? The Saints have beaten the Cleveland Browns, the Atlanta Falcons, the New York Giants, and then on Monday night, we saw them beat Washington. They did have that loss to Tampa in week one. Now, New Orleans is still one of the most dangerous offensive teams in the league. They average over 313 passing yards per game with, of course, now all-time passing leader quarterback Drew Brees. I do still worry about the Saints defense though, but if they could get their running game going, maybe they could hide their defense. If you can run the ball effectively, you can eat some clock, you can keep the opposing offense off the field, and more importantly, you can keep your defense off the field, and I think that is what the New Orleans Saints are going to do. It surprised me a little bit though, when I saw that they had played the second toughest schedule in the NFL so far, and they're still 3-1. and one. New Orleans Saints might be a little bit of a sneaky team in this thing. So which NFL team has played the toughest schedule in the NFL so far? Well, right now, that title actually belongs to the Pittsburgh Steelers, who sit in last place in the AFC North. They have a record of 2-2-1. Two, two, and one. Now, the Steelers tied the Cleveland Browns. They lost to the Kansas City Chiefs. They lost to the Baltimore Ravens. And then they beat the Atlanta Falcons and they beat the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Now, I don't have any idea what the Steelers are going to do this year. They have talent, no question. They have issues, no question. I sometimes wonder about their coaching that they get. Then they have this whole situation of what does running back Le'Veon Bell do? Maybe he's coming back. 
Maybe he's just saying that. I think he's going to try to come back because I think he's going to want to get paid. But is there any chance that the Pittsburgh Steelers could get rolling late in the season? Hey, they started off with a really tough schedule. 2-2-1 two, two, and one is not an elimination. They could still be in it. Could they still make a playoff push? Uh, yeah, I mean, maybe. I just don't know what to expect from this team because their schedule, like Cleveland's, is going to stay pretty difficult. It's going to be very interesting to see how the Pittsburgh Steelers respond down the stretch. Can they find ways to hide that defense, to run the ball more effectively, to stop the silly mistakes and turnovers? If so, maybe Pittsburgh gets this thing turned around and maybe they make a push for a postseason berth. Okay, coming back, we need to continue a little bit of a bonus edition of our Daily Dose Hump Day Power Rankings. Hump Day! We have now looked at the toughest schedules so far in the NFL. When we come back, we're going to switch over to college football, and we have another few surprises over on that list as well. Just a quick reminder that if you have any shopping to do, you might want to head over to LootCrate.com forward slash Daily Dose, where you can find the latest pop culture collectibles. Featuring your favorite TV shows, your favorite movies, and your favorite video games. October's Loot Crate theme is now out. It is called Cursed, Haunted by Dark Spirits and Evil Creatures. Sorry, but it sounds like you've been cursed. Fight back against your regrettable fate with an exclusive collection of accursed gear. October's Loot Crate theme features items from Attack on Titan, Gremlins, Evil Dead 2, and American Horror Story. Looks like they are getting ready for Halloween over at Loot Crate. But if none of those franchises interest you, remember, you can go to Loot Crate and choose from a huge selection of crates, a monthly subscription of crates, or just individual items. And they have so many things over there, they are sure to have exactly what you need. Of course, the best part about ordering from Loot Crate, when you check out, be sure you type Daily Dose in the coupon box. We are going to get you 10% off of your order just as a little thank you for listening to the Daily Dose each and every day. So let's continue. With our extended version of our Daily Dose Hump Day Power Rankings, we're going to switch now over to college football. And you know, college football is so tough to measure because basically what we see, we see these teams that we think are good and we wait for them to play other teams that we think are good. And then we try to gauge which team actually was good. But we also know that a lot of these teams we think are good are playing a lot of teams that we don't think are good. So it really is kind of tough sometimes to get an accurate gauge as to how strong teams in college football really are. Until they play each other, how do you know? It's not an easy process. And honestly, it takes us until probably like mid-October to even see who is who. We're starting to get to that point now. Maybe taking a look at which teams have played the toughest schedules in the country will give us a little bit of help. Let's look at the teams in college football right now that have played the toughest schedules so far. Now, starting off at number five, this team would have been really, really impressive had they not just lost on Saturday because coming in at number five on the list of toughest schedules so far is a team that had been undefeated to this point. And we were starting to hear people were starting to buy into our favorite college football coach, Ed Orgeron, and the LSU Tigers. The Tigers started off the season, remember, by beating the Miami Hurricanes, who were ranked number eight at the time. Then they beat up on Southeast Louisiana. Then they beat number seven Auburn as well. They beat Louisiana Tech. They beat Ole Miss. 
before this last weekend, finally losing to number 22, Florida. Hey, I'm not sure if the LSU Tigers are a contender, but I will say this, this team is pretty good. The defense is pretty solid, especially that front seven. And to look at how tough of a schedule they've already played, you look at LSU and go, wow, if we would have saw that at the beginning of the year, you're going to come out of that five and one, we would have been pretty impressed. The problem for LSU, the schedule is going to get tougher. In fact, on Saturday, LSU hosts the Georgia Bulldogs. That is going to be a very interesting game. So LSU has played the fifth toughest schedule so far, and it's actually going to get a little bit tougher this weekend. Moving up to number four, you know, this ranking of putting them this high might make our number four team feel a little better. I mean, yes, they're losing, but at least they're losing to decent teams. But the UCLA Bruins come in at number four because they have played a very tough schedule. Unfortunately for Chip Kelly and the Bruins, they still haven't won a single game yet. They are sitting right now at 0-5. The positive is that they do seem to be getting a little more competitive every single week. Consider this. They opened the season with a loss to Cincinnati. Uh Uh-oh. That's not a good sign. Like, that's never how you want to start your season, losing to Cincinnati. Then they got beat by 28 points by the Oklahoma Sooners. Okay, well, at least Oklahoma's respectable. Then they lost by 24 to Fresno State. Ooh, that's not good either. Then they lost by 22 to Colorado. So the scores are going down. Then this past week, they actually managed to hang with the number 10 Washington Huskies. They lost to Washington by just a touchdown. So either UCLA is starting to figure things out a little, or maybe Washington isn't that good. I don't know. I think we're seeing improvement in Chip Kelly and the UCLA Bruins. I will give them a shot to get their first win this week as they face Cal, but UCLA has played the fourth toughest schedule so far this season. Coming in at number three on our toughest schedule so far, we have the Penn State Nittany Lions, who basically just have one truly tough game on their schedule. They played number four Ohio State at the time, and then they had a few average and a few, honestly, below average teams. Yes, they lost to the Buckeyes in a thrilling game, but they did beat Appalachian State, they did beat Pittsburgh, they beat Kent State, and they beat Illinois, who has been a little bit better this year. Now, the schedule is going to get a little bit tougher. They do still have to face Michigan, and they do still have to face Wisconsin, but Penn State comes in, at least right now, at number three on the toughest schedule list. Coming in at number two is a team that, honestly, I didn't expect to see here, but when you look at who they've played, it does make sense, and you wonder if this difficult stretch to start the season just might help the Iowa State Cyclones win a few games in the latter part of their schedule. Iowa State so far this year has lost at Iowa, they lost to number five Oklahoma, and they lost at TCU. They have wins against Akron, and on Saturday, they even managed to upset number 25 Oklahoma State. Next up, they get number six, West Virginia. And I'm telling you right now, West Virginia, you would be well advised not to sleep on Iowa State. After that, the schedule for Iowa State is actually going to lighten up. They get Texas Tech, they get Kansas, they get Baylor. Iowa State could actually finish with a pretty decent season. I mean, for them. Oh, I'm sorry. What do you want me to say? You want me to say it's a great season? Like, maybe above 500. Good for Iowa State. Probably not good for Penn State, but Iowa State, good job. So which college team currently has played 
the toughest schedule to this point? Well, it's actually a team that we had a number of questions about prior to the season. I mean, not so much them or their talent, but we had questions about their head coach. Oh, and if we would have known then that they would lose their best defensive player indefinitely to an injury, yeah, we would have had even more questions because it is those Ohio State Buckeyes that come in right now with the toughest schedule played so far. Ohio State is currently 6-0. They have wins over Oregon State and Rutgers. Then they beat number 15 TCU, Tulane, number 9 Penn State, and they beat Indiana this past Saturday. Now I know what Buckeyes fans are going to say. Hey, don't forget, we won those first three games without our head coach. Yeah, whatever. We know better. Urban coached them in all three of those weeks. He just wasn't on the sideline for the actual games. But hey, what can you say? Ohio State has played the toughest schedule in the country, at least for right now. They do still have number 12 Michigan, and then they do still have a very good chance of going to the Big Ten Conference Championship game. But other than that, their schedule now is actually going to soften up a little bit. Hey, Ohio State has a very real chance of going to that college football playoff. That just makes us all kind of feel sick, doesn't it? Like, when you really stop and reflect, Ohio State might be playing for a national title. Ugh, doesn't it just kind of make you a little bit queasy inside? Especially when you figure Urban Meyer would probably do his best to get Zach Smith a ring if they did win it all. Yeah, try not to think about that. Hey, tomorrow on The Daily Dose, we will, of course, be bringing you the latest and greatest breaking sports news, and I feel like we just might have a few sports media overreactions to talk about tomorrow, too. What is the sports media world drumming up for us this week? Never fear. You know they have a few things out there. Hey, I'd say thank you all so much for listening to and for sharing the show. Thank you for the emails, the texts, and the tweets. They are very, very appreciated. If you'd like to contact us, don't forget, hit us up at dailydosports at gmail.com or find us over on Facebook or Twitter. We would love to hear from you. I have to say thank you to JSP. Could not do any of this without you. I will see you all tomorrow. Have a wonderful Wednesday.